Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Well, Kevin Barker, we're just a couple of days away. In fact, depending on when people are listening to this podcast, we may have already arrived at the reporting date for players taking part in the World Baseball Classic this year. The reporting date is Monday the 13th for pitchers and catchers, the 16th for position players to report to their spring training sites if they are taking part in the World Baseball Classic. For Major League players, the reporting date for pitchers and catchers, those not taking part in the World Baseball Classic, is February 16th. February 21st is the reporting date for position players, and we will be joined later on in the podcast by Ernie Witt, who will manage the Canadian team at the World Baseball Classic, and by Bo Naylor, Cleveland Guardians catching prospect who will be part of that team and uh, we look forward to our interviews. As a matter of fact Josh Naylor would have been on that team, his brother, were it not for insurance concerns and there's another Naylor, Miles Naylor going to be in the <laughs> majors so many at some point too. There's so many Naylors, <laughs> Naylor Naylor, Naylor. So we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk, to, we'll talk to Bo about the, his expectations for the World Baseball Classic and also uh, talk a little bit about the Naylor family and, and get an answer, Kevin, to maybe the most pressing question out there. We've seen Josh Naylor in the field. I'll ask somebody who knows him better. Nobody knows him better than, than Bo Naylor. Is he as crazy as he seems in the field? We'll, we'll look forward to, Can't uh, wait. To, ha- to having that discussion. But to start our podcast today, we are going to talk about another Bo. Bo Bichette has, as we all predicted, Mm. Bo Bichette has agreed, come to terms with the Toronto Blue Jays on a three-year contract that covers all his remaining arbitration years. Now, Ken Rosenthal has reported that the contract is worth $33.6 million guaranteed over three years. According to Ken Rosenthal, the total value could go up to $40.65 million with escalators and awards. If you look at some of the other left side of the infield players, offensive players who have hit the bank, who are making big time money, according to Ken, Bo Bichette will earn more guaranteed in his first three years of arbitration than guys like Rafael Devers did, Sander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa. Ooh. Josh Donaldson and Trey Turner. But keep in mind that Donaldson and Turner actually got an extra year of arbitration because they were super two. So they got a little bit more of a bump. But but bottom line, Kevin, is for the next three years, we don't have to worry about Bo Bichette going to an arbitration hearing with the Blue Jays, which I think gives comfort to a lot of fans considering that one, there was a big gap between the sides this year in arbitration. And two, last year, Bo Bichette forced, I guess is the right word, the Blue Jays to renew him. Now, he had no leverage last year. Pre-arb guys have no leverage. But essentially what he said is, I value myself more than you value me, or I think I deserve to be paid more because I think I'm an outlier compared to what guys with my service time are getting. So, three years does not buy out a year of free agency. So, you know, the, that, that whole question isn't answered right now. But, Kevin, I wanted your initial reaction to this extension. Given how much we've talked about Bo Bichette, I think we were under the impression that the chances were the Jays would get some sort of deal with Vladdy before they get it with Bo. Are you surprised by this? And what do you read into this? 
Yeah, no, I, I think the, the, the Vladdy contract is going to be a little bit larger than what Bo just signed for the three years. So I think that's probably the holdup when it comes to who you're going to sign first. And then I just heard you. Well, the first thing I thought of whenever I read, whenever I heard the news that Bo had signed is, is that's all. Like I thought the number would be higher. I don't know why I thought it would be higher, but it just seems like 33 and a half. And then what you read there that it could turn out to be closer to 40 with some incentives and those kind of things. I, you know, I, I guess you're, you're, when you think of what you just read by that's more money than those other guys got if you're Bo's agent, because you're thinking to yourself, well, why would Bo do that if he could make more money? And then you start saying the what you just read off there of he got more money uh, other than the other guys got in the same situation. Then you start thinking to yourself, well, that's a pretty good reason why you would take the 33 and a half or, or 33.6. So, yeah, you know, again, this is, I think when it comes to both sides, this makes total sense, right? You you don't want a guy unhappy who matters as much as, as Bo matters to the Blue Jays right now, right? You just don't. We We know that behind the scenes Bo wasn't happy right you the conversations the way just the the when he did have to talk about it you you could see it on his face so I just think to make a guy happy when what you've done in the offseason taken away you have to have Bo going into the season happy and if this doesn't make you happy if you're Bo I don't know what will 33 and a half will make anybody happy so I think for me it makes sense for both sides yeah, there's a couple of ways to look at this. There's more than a couple of ways to look at this contract, actually. But, I, I, you know, first of all, the whole getting upset about a player's reaction to salary arbitration and to hearings. I mean, I take that with a grain of salt. When I covered the Montreal Expos, and I've talked about this, they had some awful arbitration hearings with guys. They had an awful arbitration hearing with Marquise Grissom. And essentially what happens in arbitration is – your agent, the agent's given an hour to say why you're such a good player and you deserve this much money. The team's given an hour to say why you're not that good. That's essentially what happens. And then an arbitrator, who's just an arbitrator, he's not a baseball fan. He's just he's, he's a labor lawyer. He, he looks at the facts and says, okay, I'm going to side with this guy or I'm going to side with the team. So keep, keeping all that in mind, Marquise Grissom coming out and just ripping, ripping the Expos after – an arbitration hearing saying that I've lost a lot of respect for this organization. Kevin Marquise lost so much respect that he went on to make the all-star team that year. You know, I, I remember um, Pedro Martinez, Pedro Martinez, uh, the Jays wanted to sign him to an extension or the Expos wanted to sign him to an extension. Not only didn't he want to sign the extension, he said, renew me. So they renewed him and he said, that's fine. I'll make it up next year in arbitration. Pedro made it up next year in arbitration. Marcus Stroman, everybody talks about Marcus Stroman was upset uh, when he went to an arbitration hearing with the Blue Jays. Well, guess what? Marcus Stroman was also upset when the Jays eventually traded him to the New York Mets. He pitched a fit, and he spent the next two years going on Twitter, basically trolling the Jays and suggesting he wanted to come back here. So I don't pay any attention to guys being pissed off when they come out of arbitration. However, think about this hearing. First of all, Kevin, it gives the Jays cost certainty. You know now what you're going to be paying Bo Bichette for the next uh, two years, which is important when you're up against a salary cap or when you're up against a luxury tax. You know what you're paying him right now. That's the first thing. That's good. You mentioned yeah. happiness. Oh, I know what you're going to say next. Yeah. Happiness, is, happiness is great. On the plus side, and I think people need to really keep this in mind, once you know the value of the final year of that contract, that gives the team clarity on what the player expects in that first year of free agency. Sure. So now yep. we're not – think of what the Jays were trying to do. The Jays and Bo didn't agree on his value last year. So he wasn't even in arbitration, and they were already at loggerheads. Well, now they've agreed on what he's worth for the next three years. So if you're the Blue Jays, there's nothing stopping you from going to Bo at the end of this year or the end of next year, and saying, look, let's extend this. Let's extend it two years, three years, four years. Bo's going to play 150 games a year minimum. If mm -hmm. he keeps doing what he's doing, and you're the Blue Jays, you may be sitting there saying, all right, you know, we're not going to replace this guy in free agency or by trade. Let's talk about an extension. Those are all the good things. Here's the other side of it, though. And you knew I was getting here. Yep. Here's the other side of this. 
it makes it easier to trade oh, don't Bo say it. Don't if you say have it. to trade Bo. <laughs> yeah, it does. Because now the acquiring team knows what they're going to have to give up to get Bo yep. Bichette. The acquiring team knows how much they're going to pay him. And just as the Jays have an idea now of what it is going to take to sign Bo Bichette to an extension, a team that would acquire him would know. So let's just say for argument's sake, just pick a team. I, I don't know. Uh, Nationals. Yeah, let's say the Nationals want to make a trade for Bo Bichette. And they now know what he's going to make in that final year. They also know what the... They got an idea because they can all do math and they can all, you know, work on, on wins above replacement and all that. They've also got a pretty good idea of what it's going to take to keep Bo away from free agency. So it's great for the Blue Jays in that it gives them that stability, but it also tells the other team what Bo's value yeah. is. And I, Here's I, the I, thing. Yeah. Go ahead, Kev. No, I think it also tells Bo's teammates that the Blue Jays organization is all in on Bo. I think that's a big deal. The, the, his teammates hear the rumblings about the defense and, and you know, that they – some people say that they can't win a World Series with Bo Bichette playing shortstop. Well, right now, this year, they think the organization, by putting up a little bit of money, says they can. Now, maybe not this year, but the year after. Maybe if you want to, and you've said this before, if you want to move oh, him to second base there. because oh. you paid him a little bit of money now and he's under contract, would make it a little easier to sell that to Bo to say, look, yeah, just, we brought in a better defender. You you moved to second base. Now you're more of an offensive player than you are a defensive player. So Barker, I, think I think it's think just a win-win everywhere. I think you're <laughs> so wrong there. But I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell why? you why. I, I'll, I'll tell you why I think you're so wrong. I did some looking. I did some examination as to the difference in pay between a second baseman and a shortstop. Ooh. There are going into this year, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are yeah, a dozen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, uh, 12 or 13. Because we don't know what Bo's going to make. Shortstops uh, who are going to be making more than double digits in salaries. In other words, okay. guys who are going to be making more than 10, than, than 10 million. Yeah. Uh, if you look at second baseman, uh, there are only two. The only second baseman with an annual average value over 20 million is. Uh, Marcus Semyon at 25, Jose Altuve at 23.57. No one else is over 20 million. There mm. are three, four, five. There's, by my count, eight shortstops making more than $20 million. Mm. There are only five second basemen, five whose annual average value of their contracts are in double digits. So a third, basically, as many second basemen making more than $10 million on average compared to the number of shortstops. So I guess this is I, – I, I get your point. You've signed Bo to a contract. So, Bo, you can go to Bo now and you can say, hey, we want to move you to second base. It's not going to have any impact on how much money you make next year. You're going to be making what you're making mm -hmm. next year regardless of whether you're at short or whether you're at second. And let's also keep in mind that when you talk about Bo Bichette, if you're going to pick holes in Bo Bichette's game – Right. And, and, yeah. and keep in mind that in arbitration, arbitration, they don't use fancy stats. Arbitration stuff is pretty basic. And among the defensive ratings that you are allowed to use in an arbitration hearing are defensive runs saved and uh, UZR. Bo Bichette was the worst in both categories defensively Oof. among major league shortstops. And, and, it, and it wasn't even close. Offensively, he's fifth or eighth. Around there, so easily, easily, easily top ten uh, in 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 offensive WAR and offensive category. Uh, so you're talking about a guy with a real split in his game. So I guess maybe you go to Bo and you say we think you'll be a better defender at second base, and moving you to second base eliminates as much of that 
the concern because, about your defense as possible. But again, you're telling the guy to or, move to position where he may not get paid as much, and he is going to be a free agent. Okay, he's there, going to be a free agent at 27 or 28. So there's I mean, that, there's a lot to unpack there. Here's the first thing I'll tell you: if I if I'm in if I just paid a guy to play baseball, I'm not going to ask him anymore. I'm sorry. The conversation of me going and saying, "Bo, is it okay if you move to second base?" Uh, uh-uh. if I get a better defender in here that I think can hit somewhat the top of my order and it makes my team better, Bo's the second baseman. I'm sorry. That's what coming with 33 and .6, Jeff, comes with is the conversation anymore. I'm not asking. Uh, that, that's, that's the first thing. And I got to ask you, if you're Bo and you're his agent and you have a serious conversation, would I get paid more and my legacy would be greater if I'm the best second baseman in baseball or I'm the ninth or tenth best shortstop in baseball? Which one do you think the better sale is, Jeff? That, that's the thing is, because when you're the best at something, you could argue, you stick him at second base this year. Kevin. He's Kevin. the best second baseman in baseball. He's the number. He's right there with Altuve. The best second baseman in baseball with everything that he does as a baseball player. Where he hits, what he is, how you could sell it. He could be the face of a franchise as the best second baseman in baseball. Kevin. Or he's the ninth or tenth best shortstop, and you got you always got that cloud over you going, well, he can't win a World Series with him right playing now, shortstop. The best second baseman in baseball, Jose Altuve, makes twenty three point three five million. And he's That's talking about extension with the Astros. That is. That would place him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth. That would make him the tenth highest paid uh, shortstop based on what shortstops are making this year. Okay, that's that's my, my uh, point. If you're well, well, no. That is, if I'm Bo Bichette and you're asking me, right? You're asking me, do I want to move to a position where maximum I'm going to make is twenty five million, or keep me at a position where I can make maybe thirty million a year? Hello, I'm going to make thirty million. Is Bo Bichette a thirty million dollar player? Well, you? have your have with your, the defense well, that he plays. Javier Baez is twenty three point three million. Trevor Story's twenty three. Dansby Swanson's twenty five. Carlos Correa is thirty three. I mean, you're asking me, no? Is he is he a good defensive shortstop? Is he as good as those guys? No. Is he as good offensively? I'd say pretty damn. Is close. he a twenty four million dollar best second baseman in baseball player? Absolutely. Well, we have. Is he a twenty? Is he a thirty million dollar shortstop? Absolutely not. That's the oh, difference here. This is so how you're trying wrong. to sell you're these so things. Wrong. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not. You just don't like it because I'm right. That's the facts. You're I'm so right. So, so uh, look, we're, it's potato potato here because he's going to make some money. But if you're him and you're the organ and you're and you're his agency. Look, they would never go to an organization and go, "Hey, I'm willing to do it just because of of the money." Mm. But man, legacy and See, and and the conversation and the black cloud over the defensive side of it. I got to ask you. That's the only Kev, Kev, negative. Let's also, with Bo. we've also got to throw this out. It's the as eternal a clock of shortstop. Uh, with Bo. Uh, we've it. also we've also got to throw this out as a caveat. Is that we don't know how the doing away of with the shift is going to impact Bo defensively. We just don't. I mean, I'm sure they're khakis in the Blue Jays' front office who got this all figured out, and they've run all sorts of models Absolutely. and everything. I'm no sure question. they have an idea. We don't. We don't. So before we, before we do this, let's see what impact the shift has on Bo, whether it's positive or negative, or whether it's a push. And, uh, and it has no impact. But here's the thing. This is, this is why... I understand everybody's happy that Bo got the the extension. We don't have to worry about arbitration anymore. But it still it still kind of leaves open some questions about what his role is ultimately in this team, which is not a bad thing. I mean, I'd rather that we're having that discussion knowing that it, it's it's not going to have an impact on how much Bo makes or what his feelings towards the team are going to be. But it's uh, – I know a lot of people made a big deal out of the fact that the Jays didn't get one of Bo's free agent years here. I'm not certain that necessarily changes anything because um, I'll just say this. If the Jays don't win a World Series in three years, or if they haven't at least been to the World Series in three years, Kevin, Vladdy, Bo, 
this core is not going to be kept together. Nope. There may be changes in the front office. Mm-hmm. Right? There may be changes in the I front the office. So I guess what I'm saying is, is telling you the window is three years. Yeah, and, and let, let's, yeah. You know, let's, have, let's worry about it in the third year, I guess is what I'm saying. Let's worry go. about it in the third year. Mm-hmm. But I, I, at the same time, I do have to say this, and I get tired of saying it, but I'm going to repeat it again. Uh, man, the commitment of ownership to this, to this team uh, right up against the luxury tax and getting this deal done, still being active in the free agent market. The focus, I guess, now, Kevin, shifts to, to Vladdy Jr. And maybe more interestingly to Alec Manoa, because Alec Manoa, like Bo Bichette, yep. forced the Jays to renew him next year. I, I, I guess if I'm, if I'm sort of going to put Bo to the side right now, that's my next focus. It's never seemed to be that big a deal with Vladdy, right? We've always gotten the impression that that Vladdy, that that first of all, Vladdy's getting paid more than Bo, but we've always been left with the impression that there's just not that much push and pull between Vladdy and the Blue Jays. That somehow, some way, someday, it 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 may be worked out in terms of a long term extension uh, or or an extension in general for him. But now I'm wondering about Alec Manoa. Now I'm yeah, wondering for, about Alec Manoa. For for me, it's the it's the. I think there's a little bit of unknown there. Is he really this good? Like, can he really do this with 93, the invisible heater, and a slider? He doesn't have a third pitch. Like, is he really this good? I think he is. I think he's only going to get better. The more confidence he has in gripping it and ripping it right, the change up and the location and changing speeds and. That's the thing. He comes out this year, Jeff, and has a year close to what he had last year. Now you're cooking with gravy if you're him and the and waiting the for you representatives to say with, with gravy. That now what? Right? That's the whole thing here. And if you're in the organization for the Blue Jays, that's obviously what you want is you want him to push it and make you make the call. And I just see I still think there's a little bit of that. I still think there is. Can he be this good? Like, look at him. Right? He doesn't have a wind up. He's a giant human. Like he's just polarizing. He's doing it with two pitches and he doesn't throw 99. And he does it in the American League East. Is he really this good? So it'd be interesting to see this year, at least for me anyway. Can he really duplicate or come close to what he did last year? I'm so excited to see it, Jeff. I want to. Mm. And I'll give you, I'm going to ask you the question right now. Ugh. Right now, Jeff. I'm going to put you on the spot. They don't do who's, that. Who's the opening day starter for the Toronto Blue Jays? And don't give me that it doesn't matter because it does matter to the pitcher. Who is it? Uh, there's two choices. Uh, to me, it's Kevin Gossman. There you go. I don't want to tell you just yet because we have a show on the 20th. Maybe we'll tell you then and have this conversation. But it's intriguing. That, that's, that's another thing, right? If you're, giving, if you're giving the ball to Alec Manoa, you're telling him something. And you're yeah, telling your te- his teammates something. Oh, it is. You can roll ah, your eyes and say it doesn't Bart, matter. It a, matters to the players. Yeah, it matters we'll to the see. players. We'll Don't see. roll I saw, your eyes. I saw, I saw, I saw you ever Drew pitched Hutchins. opening day? Saw, no. Well, have they you? have. That's have a big you? deal. No, but I played opening day. I've been on a roster uh, opening listen, day. Listen, man. I, I, I think Drew Hutchinson started uh, opening day for the Blue That's Jays a big deal for him. Did. Anyhow. Um yeah, we got plenty of time to talk about that. Bottom line, bottom line is we don't have to worry about Bo going into arbitration with Thank the Blue goodness. Jays. And uh, it's never a bad sign. Never, ever, 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 ever a bad sign when player and management agree on value no. after publicly declaring that they don't agree on value. <laughs> never a bad sign. But as I said, it uh, it also it there are many layers to Bo Bichette's contract extension that uh, you need to keep in mind. But again, hey, it's a storyline. It's a storyline we don't have to write about, don't have to talk about for the next two winters. And, again, that's never, never a bad thing. The World Baseball Classic will be held this year. Rosters were announced last night on the MLB Network. And, my goodness, uh, I mean, the roster Dominican for the Republic. Dominic- oh, Dominican Republic. Gosh. I, I'm going to – I'll tell you right now, though. I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to pick a winner right now, the World Baseball Classic. I'm going to pick a winner right now. Ready, Bark? It's not going to be the U.S. I'd love it to be Canada. I don't think it's going to be Canada. 
They're going to be hard-pressed to get out of the round. Not going to be Mexico. It's not going to be the Dominican. Not going to be Puerto Rico. I'm going with Venezuela. Venezuela Venezuela is like the Finns in hockey. We always think that in hockey, oh, playing for Team Canada is a big deal, yada, yada. The Finns are just as nationalistic when it comes to hockey as we are. It is a big deal for them. And having spent some time around the Venezuelans when they were in Toronto during a previous World Baseball Classic, knowing guys like Marco Scudero and that, it is a massive deal for the Venezuelan players because they always think that they don't or they have the opinion that they don't get as much credit as the players from the Dominican Republic certainly from the United States. I'm saying this right now, Venezuela, the 2023 World Baseball Classic champions. What do you think of that, Barker? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could you could say that. You could say the Dominican Republic. You could say the United States. You could throw Mexico in there. Like you could, there, but I some, didn't. There's, there's Japan in there. There's a, there's a lot of really, really good teams. I think that's the point. I think it's you could pick any of those, and you could go, yeah. I mean, you, you're you're exactly right. I got to be honest with you. The first thing I thought of when all those teams are as good as they are, the crowds. And and I, as much winter ball as I played, Jeff, just the crowds are going to go nuts for their mm. team and how much fun they're going to have and and beating the drums and and the cowbells and man, it's just going it's going to be so much fun to watch. Good 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 for all the really really good. And the great players all wanting to play for their countries. That's pretty cool, yeah. and I can't wait to watch it. That's no, pretty that, awesome. Listen, there's a, there's a lot of buy-in. There's a lot of buy-in from players in the World Baseball Classic. There's Mike a, Trout's hurt all the time, and he's playing for the United yeah. States. So yeah. good for him. Good, yeah, for, good him. for him. And like, Be afraid to stay on the field I, one time. <laughs> and I hate to say this, but as it is for Mike Trout when he plays for the Angels, he's not going to win anything with Team USA either. Ernie oh, Witt is manager you of the to. Canadian. Ernie Witt is manager <laughs> of the Canadian team once again. Ernie Witt joins us now in Blair and Barker. Ernie, thanks very much for giving us some of your uh, some of your time today. Uh, as we get ready for the World Baseball Classic, I guess the the first question I think a lot of us would would like to would like to you know, know about is kind of what 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 is your schedule and the team schedule like as we get ready for that that first game against Great Britain? When are you guys going to get together and sort of what's your role going to be up to that point? Uh, at, at this point in time, all the players uh, will be going to their spring training sites uh, and getting themselves ready. So uh, most of them will reporting by, you know, mid-February. Some of them are already down in their spring training sites. And what they do, what we will do is they will come into Phoenix on the 6th of uh, March. We'll have our first workout on the 7th. And then we're going to jump right into games. We play the Cubs on the 8th and the Mariners on the 9th. And uh, then we have two days off because we drew a bye in the first round. So uh, the tournament actually starts on the Saturday and we have that day off, so we'll practice again that morning. And uh, then we open up against Great Britain on the Sunday, the 12th, I believe it is. Okay, Ernie, because chemistry is such a big deal in baseball and you guys are not going to have a ton of time together, I would think the morning of the 7th when you stand in front of everybody, and I, you know, I don't want to say it's a speech, but, it, you know, you got to give a little – Let's get this all together real quick and, and, you know, get it all headed in the right direction. Have you have you sat down and thought about what you might say to the guys? Or do you think it's one of those situations where you really don't need to say anything? People just know what they need to do, and you sort of get everybody headed in the right direction. Well, Kevin, I, I, I've been doing this for a while, I guess, since 99 with the Canadian team. And uh, believe me, it's been an honor, and, and I've, I've enjoyed every second of it. So yeah, on the seventh, uh, since we are going to have some uh, some new players, some younger players that have never uh, participated in the WBC, I will speak to them. I will basically uh, encourage them to uh, take in the moment, enjoy themselves, uh, and things that I ask them to do every time is that you know we're we're going into a tournament where we're an underdog. But uh, we can go and we can win a lot of games. And, again, you know, you look at some of the rosters like Dominican or Puerto Rico or USA, 
I mean, over a series of time, you know, we, we would say, you know, our odds are not very good. But in a one-game situation like the WBC, which is a sprint, anything can happen in one game. And that's what I have to stress among uh, the players is to give it your all every time you go out. Be prepared. Uh, what you're going to do every at-bat that you have, be prepared on every pitch you're going to throw. Concentrate one pitch, one at-bat at a time. Ernie, when you're managing in a tournament like this, how much of what you were doing, in addition to managing players, is sort of managing the games? Like, you know, you look at, and what I mean by that is, you look at your schedule. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to assume that beating Great Britain in the first game would be a good thing, right? Because, you know, you're, you're, yeah. two teams are going to advance and you want to be up out there. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, got to beat Great Britain. But on the other hand, you know, you got games against the USA, you got games against the Dominican. Do you, when it comes to setting up your pitching, are you are you saving your best for your for the best, or are you almost saying, "Hey, I got to nail this down." It's baseball; anything can happen. Anybody can run into a ball on any given day. I got to nail this game down. I got to go with my guy here, and then you know we'll we'll figure it out from there. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's so true. I mean, people, a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, I go into games, I want to win every game that, that, uh, that I play in or that I manage in. Uh, but then again, you have to look at, I look at, we can win three games. Uh, we will probably move on. Uh, of course we did that the first year and we lost because of run differential. Uh, so you pick the three teams out of the four that you think that you have a legitimate chance and you, you try to prepare for those games where you, you possibly can win. Ernie, I was just wondering if, if like game one, is it, do you sit down and script it? Because you, we always talk about that, right? We watch playoff games and you see when they take the starter out and they bring the bullpen guy in and then they bring in another bullpen guy and it's almost looking like they've already planned this out before the game actually happens. And then when I was thinking about when you were coming on, that's probably what Ernie's doing is because of all the restrictions from organizations about this guy can do that and he can't do this. I would think you have to script it. Do you have to do that? Or are you just sort of when it happens, it happens, and that's who I'm putting in the game? No, it is scripted a little bit. Uh, not to the fact that, you know, there is a pitch limit on uh, all the pitchers, how we use them. There is uh, every organization will give us mandates on how their, their players can play, how many pitches the pitchers can throw. So it is all mandated and scripted in front of us. Uh, but again, if, if I see a guy and then he's, he's dealing and no one's, no one's squaring up the ball on them, I might extend them an inning as long as it doesn't go against what the organization uh, wants us to do. Again, they're loaning us their players to participate in this tournament. Uh, the, sometimes our hands are tied uh, when it comes to myself and my coaches of what we can do and what we can't do. And a lot of people don't realize that. Ernie, when I look at the pitchers in particular on this team, I mean, you've got some guys that aren't, quite frankly, I mean, they're, they're not going to figure in a major league roster this year. Do you have to rely on them to be honest with you when it comes to, you know, how you feeling either before the game or in game? And if that's the case, I would think the fact that these guys have been around you for so long and, and, and know each other so well, I'm thinking of guys like Albers and Axford and guys like this, that probably has to be a bit of a, probably has to be a bit of a, the familiarity has to be a good thing there. Well, I think it is, Jeff. Uh, I mean, I, I've always been honest with these guys, and I ask them to be the same with me. I want to know how they're feeling, uh, what they, they're able to do, how they feel they could uh, uh, approach a game, whether they can take the ball that day or not. Uh, I know we've got uh, – I haven't seen – Amont probably hasn't pitched in a while. Albers is coming off of uh, a little bit of uh, an injury and – he hasn't pitched in a while. And then we got Adam Mullen that hasn't pitched in a while. And the same with John Axford's coming off of Tom and John. So, I mean, there's a lot of question marks. But uh, I, I, myself and uh, Greg Hamilton met with them at the banquet, banquet uh, back in January. 
we expressed that we would love to have them on the team, but we also expressed that, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're the best judge of what you feel that you can do. You've been in these situations before. You've faced big league hitters before. Can you help the team? And we, we have to rely a lot on how they feel and, and them being honest with us. So there's question marks, but uh, I have all the confidence in the world. They told us that they could be ready, so that's what we're going with. I mean, you've got an interesting mix here, too, as I look at the position players. Obviously, Freddie Freeman, a former MVP, Tyler O'Neill, But you've also got guys like Owen Casey, uh, Bo Naylor, who, who, who we've spoken to. Uh, Josh Naylor won't be available in this, in this tournament. How much, how much are you expecting the young guys, the young position players, to have to contribute in this tournament? Well, they're going to have to contribute. I mean, there, there's no question. I mean, this is this is their time to shine. They're they're playing uh, in, in a, on a big stage. You know, this this is huge. And I mean, they've watched it. They're excited. They've committed a hundred percent to it. And I mean, that's all that Greg and I ask of these players. If you commit to us, we expect you to give us a hundred percent. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, go out and play the game that you're capable of playing. And you know, hopefully, you know, a couple of them have uh, hot hands and, and can drive in some runs for us. Okay, Ernie, I want to ask you a personal question. I've asked some players before that have been in this, and they, you know, were saying, I can't wait to, to play with this person. I can't wait to play against this person and introduce myself and pick his brain. Is there, I, w- I want you to tell me, is there somebody that Ernie, you know, I, I think you play United States the second game. I think you play Mexico the third game. Is there somebody that – when you play against, could be on your team, could be Freddie Freeman, could be somebody, Larry Walker, could be, is there a certain person that you haven't met that you, you know, either can't wait to manage against or you can't wait to walk up and say, hi, I'm Ernie, can, you know, you pick your brain and, and just see what's going on. Is there something like that you can't wait to introduce yourself to? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I, I can't wait to introduce myself to some of our, our team that we have. <laughs> I mean, I, there's there's a few of them that I I've not met before, and uh, you know that that first meeting with them, I I want them to uh, kind of feel warm and fuzzy that if they have any concerns or any questions, that they can come to me and ask me. Uh, my my job is to get to know our roster as quickly as we can, try to assess it as quickly as I can, where I can put them in a position where they can be successful. Uh, I mean, it's great. I, I, I've watched Taylor, uh, Tyler O'Neill hit the ball out of center field in the Pan Am games and stuff like that. Freddie Freeman was the first time in uh, 17, I believe it was, where he played on the team. What a delightful man he is, and watching him play, is he's such a professional. And that's going to rub off on our younger players that we have. And, I mean, that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm asking Larry Walker to step up and and be, you know, the Hall of Fame leader that he is. And, and these guys will, I mean, I, I want them to pick his brain also while we're there in that short period of time. So to answer your question, is there anyone on the other team that, you know, I, I, I just, I want to kick their butts every time we go out on the field. So whether it's USA, Mexico, Columbia, Great Britain, I, 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 want, to, I want to beat them. Ernie, I think didn't didn't the Canadian team in in previous years didn't you guys have like a ball hockey tournament or something like that early or a ball hockey game early to kind of help build camaraderie and I'm just wondering if there's anything like that planned in those early days sort of a especially because you do have some guys who haven't been around other guys before something that'll allow them to bond and maybe have a little bit of fun. Well, I think that's that's one of the reasons why we try to keep some of the veteran guys around that will carry on that that tradition. And whether it's a, a, a street hockey game or, or going out to dinners, but it, it's you, you won't see any player by himself. He'll always have a, a few teammates around them, and they, they, they're all anxious to get the – if they haven't met a person, they, they're anxious to meet them. And, again, it's a quick bonding thing, and for some reason with baseball players, you bond very well together when you're in these type of tournaments. Ernie, listen, we appreciate your time. We're going to let you run. Best of luck in the tournament, and uh, go get them, and we'll be talking again. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Ernie. Ernie Witt will manage Canada at the World Baseball Classic. 
Canada's first game is on March 12th against Great Britain. And, you know, Kevin, yeah, you got to, in addition to managing the game in front of you, you've, it's almost like World Cup soccer and international s- soccer competitions. You got to manage the tournament. You got to, you heard Ernie say, you got to sit down and say, okay, what games could we realistically win? And let's maximize our chances to win those games. And. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a lot about depth and it's a lot about talent, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. going to have to have a ton of depth and it's going to have to be really good talent because of the reasons that Ernie just mentioned about organizations telling what guys can and can't do. It's mm-hmm. That's going to be the actual job of a manager, right, is to not only get them in the, headed in the right direction but also keep them healthy. It's can't be the easiest thing. And, oh, by the way, you're trying to beat some of the best talent in all yeah. of the world. Which is I mean, I guess the only – no, and I guess the good thing for Canada is that, you know the other teams are playing playing under those those rules as well with those restrictions. I mean, I look at the Canadian sure. team, Kevin, Nick Pavetta, Cal Quantrill. Those are probably going to be your two main starting pitchers. Matt Brash will likely be the closer. Zach Pop is not uh, along. Neither is Rowan Wick, Charles LeBlanc as well. They're not on the team, and a lot of that is because the those players have personal you know what what they call personal club concerns you know a guy like Zach Pop is fighting for a job with the Toronto Blue Jays and a lot of these guys feel that they owe it to themselves to their career to focus on the major league team Joey Votto Mike Soroka Josh Naylor they couldn't get insurance because of their injured uh, their situations their their I guess a combination of age and also injuries in the case of Joey Votto so they're not uh competing we know that some major league teams have told some of their players they can't compete. Luis Severino, I believe, of the New York Yankees. The Yankees are saying they don't want him to compete. This mm-hmm. much we do know. Freddie Freeman and Tyler O'Neill are going to be the two big guys in the order. I got to ask you this, Kevin. Where do you hit Freddie Freeman? Where do you put him in the order? That's a great question. Well, you want him up the first inning, so it's going to be one of the first a couple of guys I would think mm-hmm. you'd want him hitting second. You know, mm-hmm. I, know, I know normally he's probably used to hitting third, but you want him coming up as many times as possible. And, again, you don't know the restrictions on him. Does he get a complete game? Is it only four or five innings? Like, you got to maximize what you're going to get from Freddie. And that's another question, too. We just mentioned the pitchers and what their restrictions are going to be. How do you attack an at-bat, right? You're gonna, the heart rate is going to go up, and you're going to face dudes from them other teams that are going to get frisky. Like, you're going to see velocity. You're going to see them throwing oo breaking balls. Like, if you're a hitter, how do you attack that? And it's not like you're going to be facing those dudes every single day. You know, the approaches, it's just not C-ball, hip-ball anymore, Jeff, right? Yeah. You've got to have that. We didn't even well, ask Ernie about analytics, how you're going to use that, and how does that come into play. A hitter's approach at the plate, how they're going to attack certain kind of hitters, and, and what's that going to look like. So, that's going to be interesting, just to see how, you know, Ernie puts it all together and – Talent. I think that's why we mentioned the teams that we mentioned, like Venezuela, like the United States, like the Dominican Republic. It's because they just have so much talent. Not a couple of guys. You mentioned a couple of guys in the lineup. Where do you put Freddie to get him so many at bats? Mm. Well, the Dominican Republic have just one, one after another. So I think that's what it's going to come down to. Who has, who has the most talent? Would have been nice if Vladdy played for Canada. Yeah. I knew he wasn't going to. But uh, he looked nice in that lineup, however. Uh, that is where we are. March 12th, Canada takes on Great Britain, their first game of the World Baseball Classic. We will have the games on Sportsnet. Uh, and as you heard Ernie Witt say, the players will gather in Phoenix on the 6th and 7th of March. They will play exhibition games on the 8th and 9th uh, at, uh, in Arizona against a couple of major league teams whose complexes are in Arizona. Uh, then March 12th. The uh, tournament begins for the Canadians. We mentioned that there are a number of Canadian players that haven't been able to uh, or won't be able to take part in this tournament. One of them is Josh Naylor of the Cleveland Guardians. But there will be another Naylor in the lineup, Bo Naylor. And he'll join us next. This is Blair and Barker, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. We're very pleased to be joined by a member of the Canadian team for the upcoming World Baseball Classic, Bo Naylor, joining us. Bo, thanks for this. I believe you're in Arizona right now. Am I correct? That is correct. Um, all right. 
you're on the World Baseball Classic roster. The rosters were announced uh, yesterday. Give me, from your point of view right now, as we get ready for this tournament, how are you feeling and, and, and what are you expecting from this tournament? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, right now I'm really excited. Uh, I've been working really hard uh, in this past offseason, you know, to be prepared for you know, an opportunity like this. And, you know, uh, again, uh, I, I'm very excited to just be able to share uh, this opportunity with a great group of guys and, you know, I'm just expecting uh, to see a lot of guys go out there and compete, you know, give everything that they can and be a part of something great. Bo, you said you were working hard this offseason. There's the one particular thing that you really honed in on to to try and get a little bit better at going into the season? Um, You know, just really polishing my game on all, on all ends, you know, making sure that I'm taking care of everything that I can defensively, offensively and really honing everything in to make sure that I'm prepared for, uh, you know, uh, uh, a long-length season. Now, this is an interesting mix of players here because you've got guys like yourself who've had a little taste of the majors, guys who are still prospects. Of course, you've got Freddie Freeman, a former MVP in the team, and you've got a bunch of guys who've been around the Canadian program for a long time and have represented Canada at various levels. I know you were on the Canadian national uh, junior team and I think a lot of people sometimes don't understand the significance that culture plays on the Canadian team like guys who come through that program Bo really seem to be loyal to baseball Canada or Canada baseball and also to folks like Greg Hamilton there 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 really is a thing there isn't there there there's a there's a national junior team thing that just kind of a thread that kind of ties everybody together throughout their career almost yeah 100% they really emphasize creating those great relationships from a young age uh, exposing us to that that high level talent um, at those young ages of development and you know, when you're creating great relationships and, you know, being a part of a game uh, surrounded by, you know, a group of guys that, you know, you more or less would go to war with, you know, that kind of stuff is contagious and, uh, you know, it doesn't stop. So anytime you get an opportunity to wear the red and white, uh, you know, you, you take it and you run with it. Um, I think that's something that everyone on this roster can um, agree with me on. And, you know, we got we got a bunch of grinders there. And I'm I'm very excited to be uh, to be a part of it with them. Bo, is there one certain guy that you can't wait to that you've never talked to before that's on the team that you're going to walk up to and maybe a Freddie Freeman? I, I know you've had conversations with Russell Martin, but is there a certain guy on that team that you can't wait to pick his brain and and maybe get some feedback on what it takes to be a a, a really good big leaguer? Uh, I'd probably say Freddie. You know, I don't yeah. know if I'm walking straight up to him, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I think he's definitely someone who's got a lot, of, a lot of knowledge of the game, a lot of experience. And, you know, uh, Josh, having gone through it a few years back, um, you know, having Freddie on the team as well, you know, he told me that there's a lot of things to learn from him. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely one of the guys who I'm very excited to be able to share the field with and, you know, this experience. What has uh, Ernie Witt told you about your your role on this team? Uh, you know, I haven't had much conversation with him on that, but um, from the conversations I have with him, you know, it should be it's just being prepared, being ready for uh, an incredible experience, incredible journey, and you know, going there to win baseball games. Bo, one of the things that uh, I, I think a lot of people are really intrigued with is watching you and Russell Martin work together. I mean, you're both, you know, reputation is both are as athletic catchers. And I mean, Russell was a type of guy whose game, gosh, in his early years, Russ could steal bases. I mean, he's a converted, he's a converted infielder, all that stuff. Russ is a, was a tremendous athlete. How, how, how much are you looking forward to being able to, you know, just to pick his brain in the bullpen, for example, or, or just in, 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 in training sessions, being able to just talk to a guy who had had a long career and who a lot of people will say kind of kind of mirrors you physically. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone in this position uh, could agree that that this is an incredible opportunity. You know, uh, he's someone who you know I grew up watching on my TV, um, being able to see him play 
you know, seeing how he kind of created his game and ran with that throughout his career, it's something. It was something special to see, and you know, being able to pick his brain, get some feedback on some stuff, um, and you know, get some new insight on the game. I think that's really important. And you know, being me being someone who's going there also to be a sponge and to learn, I think it's a perfect opportunity for us to create a great relationship. But you know, for me to also take a lot from him and his experiences in the game. But Bo, because this is you know you don't have a long time with these guys, and and you're facing some guys that you don't normally face before. What what are some of the challenges with that? You know, is it? It's I think in 2022 and now in 2023, it's not always see ball hit ball. Whenever I played, it was go up look for a fastball middle away, try to create some backspin and and do some damage. It's not so much that way, and you're going to be facing some guys when you do play that you've probably never faced before. What what are some of the challenges when you walk to the plate of what's the approach and, and how are you going to attack certain guys when you go about those at-bats? Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, uh, it's definitely not something that's going to be easy jumping right into jumping something like into like that right away. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to try to handle a lot of that in my preparation, um, you know, from now moving forward. I'm trying to get myself as, as as much exposed to different types of pitches, different types of sequences, different types of approaches, um, and you know, kind of letting my my work and preparation beforehand carry into the game, so that I can just play play free. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited, you know, to be able to face some great competition, see some new faces on that field, and be able to compete. Bo, yeah, if if somebody was to ask you. Uh... Bo, give yourself a scouting report offensively. N- never mind the defensive side of it, because that's sort of a work in progress. You're a young guy; you'll get into the because you're very athletic. But if somebody asked Bo, give us a scouting report on you, the offensive player. What would you say? Uh, I'd probably say you know uh, a good bat-to-ball guy who can put the ball all over the field. You know, he's got gap-to-gap power, and you know, someone who's going to grind out every at bat. You know, I really try to uh, make myself a tough out as much as I can. And, uh, you know, someone who's smart and who, who, who will hit for, for the next guy uh, in the lineup. You know, someone who people can look to to keep things going or to get something going. Uh, you did get a uh, call up with the Guardians last year. You were around for the playoffs. We got a lot of shots of you in the uh, dugout along with, with your brother, Josh, a couple of questions for you. One is, is Josh as crazy as he seems in the, in the dugout and uh, and on the field? And and two, what was that experience like? What was your biggest takeaway about being around a big league team in such crucial games? Mm-hmm. Well, to answer your first question, he is the complete opposite in the locker room. He's the most mellow, chill guy out there. Huh. Like... It's, it's night and day, you know, everything that, that comes out on that field is natural and it's just something that, you know, is brought out of him because he, he loves to compete and, you know, he, he goes out there for his guys. But, you know, outside of that, you know, he's just, he's just a guy who chills and is really calm around. But, uh, yeah, you know, being out there on the field, you know, being able to share with them and another uh, a bunch of group of guys that are amazing, um, yeah, it was, it was something special something that I'll never forget and something that uh, I'll always be able to take with me. Um, when I first stepped out there, uh, you know, I had those, those like shakes and chills going, going through my body, you know, being able to look around, see all that crowd um, and knowing that I'm sharing it with my brother and, um, you know, an amazing organization, an amazing group of guys. It just made that much, that much more special. Now, I know that uh, Josh will not be at the World Baseball Classic because of insurance concerns. I also know that uh, Miles Naylor at some point is going to be in the major leagues as well. So I guess the obvious question, next World Baseball Classic, are we going to see Naylor, Naylor, Naylor in, uh, in a that, Canadian, that in a Canadian uniform? Hey, I trust me, I'm all for that. That would be something crazy and something that I would be 100% uh, looking forward to see. So, if we ever get that chance, just know that uh, you know it, it's it's a family of brothers that love to compete, and you know it, it, that would be something special in itself. Bo, listen, we appreciate your time. Uh, all the best this season. Enjoy the tournament and uh, stay healthy. And again, thanks so much for your time. Have fun, Bo. Yeah, thank thank you. you, guys. Appreciate it. Take care.
Bo Naylor of uh, the Cleveland Guardians and Canada. I want to thank Bo Naylor again for joining us on Blair and Barker. And Kevin, it's a good segue into listener questions for this particular podcast because one of the questions we have is from Dawson in Uxbridge. And Dawson's question is, should Jays fans be concerned that Jose Barrios is pitching for Puerto Rico in the WBC? They need a big year from him. Wouldn't it be better to keep tabs on him in Dunedin? Kevin? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I think any opportunity you can go and play for your country and and represent the way Jose Barrios wants to represent. Uh, look, every every issue that he had last year wasn't – uh, you know, the the amount of pitching or not being around Pete Walker enough, it was self-correcting. And and the more, for me anyway, the more you can do something, the more you can get the feel of that, the better off he'll be. It's the how quickly you can do it, right? You throw a bad one, you self-correct it, you don't do it again, which in turn allows you to go a little deeper in games, which gives the Blue Jays better chances to win baseball games. So for me, good for him. This this is I this gets back to the same question that we had the last time we did one of these podcasts and I said this this WBC for me anyway are for the most part for established players guys who are already basically either on the verge of being a big leaguer or have been paid and you know don't really need to worry about spring training and what it means to to the outcome of where they're going to ultimately end up when it starts the season so for me brios playing pitching more even gives him more ammo and more of a mental uh you know capability of self-correcting which is for me the biggest issue he had and the more the merrier jeff you might my only concern about this is last year in spring training and admittedly, it was an odd spring training last year because of the labor stoppage. But uh, Jose Barrios essentially said last year, coming out of spring training, that it just didn't didn't feel a hundred percent. It wasn't a health issue. You could just tell that he didn't he, he he didn't feel as if he was as ready as he would normally be. And I guess that's my concern here. Is like I love the WBC. I think it's – I don't know if it's ever going to be the event baseball people think it will be because I think there's a certain amount of force feeding going on here. I mean, with all due respect, uh, you know, Team Italy, Team Great Britain, you know, Team Israel, Netherlands, Czech, Czech Republic. I mean, come on. Um, but have, ha, having said that, uh, I, I'm of the belief – I've said this time and again, Kevin – once spring training starts, nothing good happens until the regular season. The only thing that happens in spring training is bad stuff. Guys get hurt, whatever. And I kind of like having all my guys together boy, in one place. Boy, it's amazing what you say when you come off a bad season. It it really is. I Th- felt this that, is what no, I got. No, no, no. I felt. I felt. Listen, I felt. I felt that way about the WBC all along. I love the concept. If I was running a major league team, I wouldn't want any of my players going anywhere near it. Look, look what, the, what the restrictions and the way these organizations are going to basically tell these managers when and how much to pitch every single one of the guy, guys that matter. I think the last thing you need to worry about is Jose Barrios. He's a grown man. He's been around long enough to understand how what it takes to, to go out and perform at the highest level. Now, again, it's back to that. You figure it out when it matters the most and – I just think sometimes you overthink it. Don't overthink it. Let him go out there and do his thing. He'll be fine. He'll come back and and hopefully be the Jose Barrios that Jeff Blair continues to tell us <laughs> that he will end up being. Boy, I've really hitched my wagon to Jose Barrios. Have Boy, I not? you are something oh else, God. man. I tell you. It reminds me of the time I said Brandon Morrow was going to be a Cy Young candidate. Anyhow, everybody, everybody makes a mistake. We don't always get it right, Jeff. No, we don't always get it right. Uh, it's baseball. Go one for four. And Anyhow, Cheryl Fullerton. Uh, thanks for the kind words, as always, Cheryl. Uh, Kevin, she's cur- curious about what we think now of the odds of the Jays reaching an extension with Matt Chapman now that Bo's extension has been resolved for the next few years. She says it sure seems as if Chapman has become a key leader of the team. But given that Scott Boris is his agent, should we just assume he'll go to free agency? Listen, I I think I understand the Jays have some depth in the minor leagues at at, at the infield position, but... I at least want to have a conversation with Matt Chapman and see if I can't 
buy out a year of, of, of his free agency. I mean, here's the thing. I think and we talked about this earlier in the pod. The Bo Bichette's extension, the fact that it goes for three years and doesn't cover a first-year free agency, I think that pretty much tells you where the Jays' window of opportunity is right now. And if they don't win a World Series in three years, there's going to be some major changes here, as there should be. And those changes may affect the front office. They may also affect the product in the field. But, Kevin, I would at least have a conversation with Matt Chapman about uh, about about staying around here. Yeah, this is for based me. There's, there's a couple of yeah, there's a couple of things here. You have to ask yourself if if you're the organization, do you think you can make up for his two thirty five and and twenty ish? And what's the shift going to do, right? The, the elimination That's of the great shift, point. how important is him playing third base on the defensive side? And I'm, I'm not saying he's not a great defender. I test will tell you, khakis, not so much. We've heard people come on and say that, you know, sometimes it, it's not as great as the eye test will tell you. I Look, I think it's all about cost, right? I, you know, they're pushing $240 million, right? Mm. How much further are they willing to go with this thing? Now, again, you don't probably have to worry about that till some – I would think till after second half, you know where your team's at, you know where your organization's at. Obviously, we know they're going for it. But I think that's the two things, right? If you think you can make up for the offense, that's, for me, the one big thing. And what's the shift going to do? I just don't think we're going to know that until we actually see it firsthand. And how much does he help Bo? That's another thing. If you're not going to bring in a better defensive shortstop, move Bo to second, maybe you don't have a choice. But to, to re-sign Matt Chapman, I just don't think if you do have to do that, it ain't going to cost you a ton of money. You're not looking at hundreds of millions of dollars, right? You're, you're, it's going to be a, a decent chunk of change, but it's not going to break your bank and, and not allow you to go out and do other things you want to do. Mark Rothy, uh notes that spring training is coming. Boy, is it ever, and not any, not a moment too soon. I used soon. to dread this time of year, Jeff. Oh, I yeah. used to dread it. Well, anyhow, I, yeah, oh, man. I, I could I could believe that, but uh, the Jays have a lot of non-roster invitees. I think they've got something in the neighborhood of sixteen non-roster invitees. Woo. And uh, Mark Rafi wants to know if there's any of those non-roster invitees that we see as having uh, a chance of making the team. I mean, my first inclination is just to look at the pitching. Because I think we've all we, we we can all agree that the bullpen is there are jobs available in the bullpen. Or put it this way, I think the state of the bullpen is such that with an impressive spring training, somebody might be able to grab that final bullpen spot. You know, looking Kevin at the non roster invitees, I mean the the guy that very much has my attention is uh, Hayden Younger, just because what we've we've heard about him, because we know that the Blue Jays will be focusing on the bullpen and he's a guy that there was some chatter about last year as 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 possibly as possibly being a guy who could who could who could figure in in things but i mean having said that you know realistically you you look at the makeup of the blue jays bullpen and barring injury it does appear to me as if there is maybe just maybe that one spot open so he would be he would be my guy the the, the two other interesting so, names of course come into camp are sem Roberts and Ricky Tiedemann. Everybody's going to be talking about Ricky Tiedemann. I think he's going to be up here at some point this year, but, Kevin, so, I don't see him necessarily the, making the, it The question training. was, com, coming out of camp, if everybody's healthy, the answer is no. There, there is nobody, right? You, you're, you're talking injury-wise, they have to feel in spots. You're talking about the Zulettas. You, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about the Nathan Lukes. If somebody got hurt, gives an opportunity. Those, those, those would be a couple of names that you're talking about that could – Make make some certain. They're on the roster, there. though. They're on the absolutely. roster. We're talking about this non-roster this, invitees. Abs- absolutely, I've I've said that. There there is no chance. You're talking about roster guys already. That's what you do when you're a championship team. You're filling in the blanks with that that last spot, the 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 middle infielder, mm. the fourth outfielder. For me, they're already on the team, right? Right. That's the that that's the the Kevin Biggio's uh, of the world. He's probably your fourth outfielder when you're talking about who's the second the everyday second baseman. Espinal is your backup middle infielder. So those spots are already taken. You, you look at do you need a long relief guy out of the bullpen that could put Zach Pop in the minor leagues, put Mitch White in the bullpen. So you're talking about guys that are already on the roster, guys that mm-hmm. are already a big leaguer that 
then if something was to happen and you need that certain guy, that's when you start talking about the names that you just mentioned. So yeah, the and the usual answer here is the non-roster guys. No, yeah. there is nobody. Yeah, and the and of course for the non-roster guy to make the roster, someone would have to would would have to be knocked off. Yep. And I, you know, the caveat here is there is still a chance that somebody may the Jays may sign somebody else as a non-roster sure. invitee. There's still there's still some outfielders. I I I I've, I just think Kevin. I'll look at this roster. I still think, I still think there's another outfield spot that can be filled by somebody who isn't under contract to the organization yet. And you know, we've heard a lot of talk about a guy like Robbie Grossman, but as it stands right now, I am largely with you. Hayden Younger's the only guy that I will probably be keeping an eye on. The other two guys, Roberts and and Tiedemann, we're going to watch just because, especially in the case of Ricky Tiedemann. There's uh you know there, yeah. there there's so much there's so much hype around the bus. I've, I've I, I don't see e- if, I don't if, see either of them are going to make the team. Absolutely not. If Ricky Tiedemann's that good, let's see him. Like I'm not saying he's going to make the roster out, out of out of spring training unless something happens drastically to the rotation and you have to fill him in in that fifth spot. But man, if he's that good, let's see it. Hopefully we will sooner than later. Mr. Barker, as always, I appreciate your time. Uh, Just a reminder to those of you who are listening via podcast, as always, please rate and review when you subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Leave us a five-star rating, and uh, we will forever be in your debt. We will be back on the air a week from this Monday. That is February 20th on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360. We'll be on from 11 to noon. And uh, our schedule will will be adjusted once the Major League uh, season begins towards the end of March. We'll keep you informed about that. As always, my Twitter handle is SNJeffBlair. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. I guess follow us on Twitter, seeing as how I kind of run the account for both of us. Right, Bark? Because you're not on Twitter. You do the Instagram stuff. Yeah, you're stuff. the only say so when it comes to Twitter. So you yeah, do the you, Instagram you stuff. Voice, I do. I do Twitter. I'm not. I don't trust myself with Instagram. You, anything has got a damn camera attached. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Here. So again, we'll be on the air again February 20th. We'll have one more podcast before then. For all of us here at Flair and Barker, for Lance, Austin, and Mark, and everybody who makes this work.